Good morning, uh, everyone. I'm John, Children Youth Family Pastor here at Bethany Northeast. You probably know that by now, um, but it's great to be with you this morning. Um, this is a very exciting week. Not only is it summer and we're in the 70s, we're creeping towards the 80s, so if we could stay in the 70s and the sun can just chill, that'd be great. But this week, um, we have VBS that's happening. It starts tomorrow. It runs from Monday to Thursday. We've got a, uh, an awesome team of parents, adults, and teens um, that are prepared to welcome kids and lead small groups, smaller groups, and they're also prepared um, to do crafts and play games and just teach the word um, to our kids of the kids of Northeast. And so we're super excited. We're pumped about that. In fact, we're doing a packet pickup this later on after service from 11 to 1 for those that are involved in that. So super excited about that. Um, I cannot wait to share. We can't wait to share you pictures and other things that what God, what God does during um, this coming up week for VBS. Um, it's a different VBS, but we're excited for it nonetheless. So this morning, um, we're, we're, we're on the fruits of the spirit. And this is one of the fruits of the spirit that I've, I actually asked around a few different people. What, what do you think about this? Like, what do you think about this for the spirit? How would you define? How would you describe? Because this is actually interesting to me. And so I'm going to, I won't leave you on a cliffhanger, but I'm going to read some scripture to you. And then we're going to dig into kindness um, this morning. So we're going to read from Luke chapter 8, verses 40 uh, through 48. You can follow on the screen here. It says this. On the other side of the lake, the crowds welcomed Jesus because they had been waiting for him. Then a man named Jairus, the leader of the local synagogue, came and fell at Jesus' feet, pleading with him to come, uh, to come home with him. His only daughter, who was about 12 years old, was dying. As Jesus went with him, he was surrounded by the crowds. A woman in the crowd had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding. She couldn't find a cure. Coming up behind Jesus, he touched the fringe of his robe. Immediately, the bleeding stopped. Who touched me, Jesus asked. Everyone denied it, and Peter said, Master, the whole, this whole crowd is pressing up against you. But Jesus said, Someone deliberately touched me, for I felt healing power go out from me. When the woman realized that she could not stay hidden, she began to tremble and fell to her knees in front of him. The whole crowd heard her explain why she had touched him and that she had been immediately healed. Daughter, he said to her, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. God, as we dive into Luke chapter 8, verses 40 to 48 and um, discover all that you have for us this morning, I pray that we would have open, uh, undistracted minds, God, and that our hearts would be receptive to what you have for us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So this morning, um, we're going to be talking about the fruit, a fruit of the spirit called kindness. You might have heard of this one. You might have heard of this one growing up as a kid in school or just in general. This is a what, what I would consider kind of a, a human decency in some ways, kindness. And it's interesting to hear how kindness is described. One of my favorite ways um, or to think of kindness is kindness actually um, like many other fruits of the spirit, kindness is, is evidence of the spirit working in your life or in our lives, right? It's evidence of that. I think there's a lot of fake fruit out there, a lot of, uh, a lot of fruit that looks like prop fruit. That's not real. Um, kindness is one of those fruits I look at and I go, <clears throat> I don't know if I can trust that. I don't know if that's really, was that really an act? Like I kind of squint at it sometimes. 
it's hard to decide. It's hard to kind of figure out for myself. Was that an act done for my good, for their good? Was there an ulterior motive? All these different questions pop into mind. And I don't know if you're anything like me, but I, sometimes I question things a bit too much. And so kindness to me is it's, it's evidence when you see true kindness, it's evidence of the spirit actually working in your life. I think it's also interesting that kindness is one of the fruits of the spirit that's, that we talk about that has a, um, or the fruits of the spirit in general has a, has a root that it points to with that, that it being a fruit. And I, I read this scripture, but I also um, been studying fruits of the spirit all summer. And I just go, wow, it's interesting that these are fruits. I don't know if you've ever questioned that, but these are fruits of the spirit. And you may have talked about this before. They're not necessarily called um, trees of the spirit or pillars of the spirit or houses of these are fruits of the spirit, which to me lets me know they come from something. It's cultivated in something. And I think that something is God's spirit. So this is a fruit of the spirit that has to be cultivated, has to be grown, has to be worked on, has to be worked out, right? You don't just go and say, I'm going to just grab that kindness right off the tree. That's, that's me today, right? That's, that's not the idea here. Rick Warren, a guy in Southern California, um, used the term counterculture. He said, a lot of these fruits of the spirit, they may feel or seem counterculture or counterintuitives, another way to think of it, right? That's to say to me that in a society where there's no root of fruit, right? There's no root. You can't really trace it to something. I then question what or who informs its growth, right? So like if I can't figure out where the root of this kindness, where these acts are, where these, this, this gift of love, where it comes from, if I can't trace it back to anything, where is it rooted in where is it rooted at and it points me back to god's spirit it's rooted in his spirit it's cultivated it's grown interesting story i uh i might have guessed this um maybe not i haven't done a ton of camping in my lifetime i've done a little bit um and i i enjoy being out in the outdoors i enjoy being under the stars like i enjoy those fun things about camping i can tell you things that i don't enjoy all day we just don't have time for it this time in particular, it's about six years ago, maybe five years, um, Sigurd and I, uh, we were in a new community in California and we didn't have kids, right? So, I mean, I have all the space in my mind for everything. Like just the world is, is opened up at this point. <laughs> and so we decide to go, um, or we didn't decide, we decided to go on the on a camping trip, by the way, similar to camp out that's happening on the 15th, where it's we're having service outdoors on the 15th on Sunday. But this one that we had at the time, we did a we did an overnighter and it was a couple nights. And what's interesting is if I, I enjoy packing very light. Like I will pack maybe about two or three socks. I'm sorry to say this for like a four-day trip, and I'll just go, you know what? I'll probably wear sandals one day, or you know what, these socks, that'd be all right. That's a little secret about myself, maybe a little TMI, but I, I won't pack things I don't need. Like I'm very careful with packing because I don't want to carry a ton of stuff. And so in my packing so carefully and so light, I might have, I might've forgot a few essentials. Now I got my, my clothes, got my bug spray, everything you need for a camping trip. And I'm bunking with a couple of other, uh, a pastor and another friend. And as I'm getting all my stuff together, this is like late September and I'm getting my things together. Um, it's a little chilly. The nights get a little bit chilly and I was warned and I just didn't think about it. And I said, I'll grab a sweatshirt, be okay. 
as I'm laying down, I realize I have my pillow, but I do not have my sleeping bag, nor a sheet, nor a blanket, no bedding. I don't have anything. I just have a pillow. And so as I'm laying everything down, I go, you know what? It's fine. At this point, I've, I've accepted that it's going to be a cold, it's going to be a cold week and that's fine. I can deal with that. At that moment or moments later, another pastor friend of mine comes into the room. If you've ever seen a blow up fan for an inflatable, it looked, it, it's that big, like hunking thing that just blows air and blows it up. He brings it into his bedside, these close quarters. And he goes, sorry, I can't sleep without this. <laughs> he turns it on. It is so freezing cold. It's loud. I'm uncomfortable. I just go, what was I thinking? And I don't think he realizes it yet that I don't have bedding. So then another friend of mine says, Hey, you, you don't have a sleeping bag. Why don't you take mine? I bought, I brought a couple. I'm an overpacker. Go figure. And I go, thank you so much. I, I needed that. I, I can sleep in the night. It's all good. And everything was, was just fine. I learned my lesson from that point. I tell you that story to let you know that I'm, I was unprepared and don't be like me, but also he showed me an, an act of compassion that was through kindness, understanding I had a need, and then went and <laughs> instead of watching you suffer, I'm going to extend and make an act of love and help you out in this moment. Some of you might have stories like that. Some of you might have other situations where you've been shown kindness um, or you have um, received kindness. So the question I have as we look at this is what is kindness? Compassion in action. And I'm Stealing up definition from a friend of mine, his name is Michael Dell. He says, compassion, I love the way this is, this is, this is put, compassion in action. That is kindness. Putting others before yourself, and it's actually doing the work and working out your faith in the process. First John, I'm going to read it for you. Um, chapter 4, verses 9 through 10 says this. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we love God, but that he loves us. And he sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. That word love, when it says this is love, also known, also translated in this context as agape love. You might've heard that before. It's, it's unmerited. It means there's nothing required for it. You don't need to do anything to earn it. It's gracious love. It's through that love that we see something that's called kindness. It's through that that we understand kindness in a deeper context. See, I believe that kindness begins in our head as we begin to strategize and understand what it looks like and how to live that out. And then when it does become lived out, it's materialized, it becomes and looks like love, right? It's, it's hard to have one without the other. It's hard to be kind without love. It's hard to have love without kindness, right? So these things kind of work together, which is why it's interesting as you read through Luke and the, and the gospels and through scripture, you hardly ever see Jesus actually say or mention or someone say he was being kind to Jesus was, was kind to these people, right? It's always an act of love. Jesus showed love. He showed compassion. He showed, so that lets me know that kindness might be at the surface, what we perceive as an act of compassion, which is love that's lived out compassion in compassion in action. So in Luke, there's a few things that I want to point out this morning, a few things that we can learn from how Jesus approaches kindness in his life. We might have ways that we approach kindness. I have a way that I approach kindness. I have a, uh, maybe a, not a strategy, but maybe, maybe it's happenstance. Or sometimes I, I just think I'm just gonna live life and by accident, hopefully be 
trying to be burpee, whatever that looks like might be different for a lot of us. But I, I love the way that Jesus approaches this because it's not that he pinpoints kindness, but he's actually just going, hey, this is inside of me and I'm living this out. So the first thing that I notice in the scripture is this, that Jesus chose communion with the father. How do I know that? Or how do we know that? Verse 40 says on the other side of the lake, the crowds welcomed Jesus because they had been waiting for him. We know this about Jesus, that he, he spent time, he woke up early in the morning to spend time with the father. This is what he did. He thought it was important. He made it something that was about his life. It was about how he lived his life out. And if it's important to Jesus, then I, it's, it's important to us, right? This is the cultivation process in communion. This is where kindness has grown inside of you. I think oftentimes in big moments, sort of like Jairus, we run to the feet of Jesus, right? And we seek his kindness and we seek his love. And he's always gracious about it. But I think there is a cultivation process inside of us where we can be givers of that kindness. But we have to spend that time with the Father so that we can let that grow inside of us. Not just extend acts of throw a little money here, throw a little this there, throw a little, I can open the door for someone right here. That was nice. Did I let someone cut in line when I was in, whatever. That's, those are great things. But that's surface level. We're talking about deep-rooted kindness that comes only from communion when you're in communion with the Father. Identity is formed in community with the Father, right? I think kindness in some ways often looks like and can look like a way to help us or self feel better. It's half those almost before, right? It's, it's hard. It's like, I just did a good deed. Sometimes it looked like it's looked at as a good deed rather than an act of compassion that's been done to point people to the father, not to ourselves. That's important. My act of kindness and my compassion has, must point people to the heart of God, right? Not myself. In moments of communion and communion with the father, we're, we're, we're also, this is where our purpose is shared. This is where healing happens. This is where our hearts are examined. These things happen in communion with the father. This is why Jesus took a moment. The next thing is this, he chose to stop and pause. On a rush day where there's no time where he chooses not to spend time with his father, he chooses not to fill up and get what he needs and, and pour out his heart to the father and, and ask for, for healing and ask for plan and direction in communion where he, were in moments, that moment he did that, he was able to approach this differently. I think he stopped and he paused and he allows himself to be interrupted. As he stopped and paused, I think he asked himself, what is this mission about father? What are we doing here? He was already going somewhere. He already, he was being asked to go somewhere to go heal Jairus's daughter, right? But he, he was stopped in mission. It was like, well, I'm already doing something good. What else do I have to do, right? That could have been the mindset. Instead, he stops and he pauses. And I think through communion with the Father, you're able to stop and pause. You might notice this, but some of the busiest weeks of your life, you'll understand it's hard to stop and pause, of the busiest weeks of my life, I have to actually go back and go, you know what? I didn't show you compassion. I didn't show you kindness. I didn't have time to, I thought. These are moments where I go back and go, man, I wish I would have just stopped and paused just for a second. Because he stopped and paused, he was able to 
discern the moment that was presented before him. Because we understand that kindness is greater than doing a nice thing, right? It's a deeper work of the heart. We understand that kindness is actually compassion and action, and it has to be lived out. And it's not always easy to do that, right? It can be complicated, which is why discerning the moment and discerning where God has put you and discerning the situation that's been presented before you is super important. I think this happens. I hear this. I've heard this a lot growing up as a kid. I'm not calling anyone out. In fact, I'm going to call myself out. Oftentimes, before Sigrid and I, or before I've even heard my parents um, make big purchases or make big decisions, they'll stop and they'll go, you know what? Um, we're just going to pray about that for a second. And or we'll say, we're going to pray about that because we don't, we don't want to make any big decisions before we spend money doing this, before we spend money doing that, or before we do this or do that. And we discern a little bit because it, our money, our, our value is, is set. We want to be wise with our resources. And I realized, man, it's so easy for me to ask God for discernment when I'm getting something in return. If I ask myself, God, what does it look like to stop and discern in a moment where I may not necessarily see the fruit happen right then and there? Right, Jesus, his, the hem of his garment, healed, healed the woman with the, with the issue that, had, that was bleeding. But he didn't necessarily stop and check up and say, hey, how are things going? Who's your family? Right, he had to actually keep walking on mission. But he knew that it was important by stopping and pausing. He discerned that moment and knew that was, that was important. Sometimes I feel like we, we often, and maybe I'll speak for myself, I use discernment as a way to gain or I'll use discernment when I need something or I need to gain something for myself. This is very, I think, <laughs> how America in some ways culture influences life if we're not careful. And I won't even blame American culture. I blame myself. I like nice things. I think everyone likes nice things. But have we stopped to discern? Have we stopped to discern? Have we paused? Have we spent time with the Father? Understand the moment that is put before us. How are we showing kindness in moments? What is our process for that? Are we asking for discernment in that moment? Not because we get something from it, but because we've spent time with the Father. We understand that there's a mission that he set out for us. And what is that? Also this, Jesus chooses, obviously to be interrupted, but inconvenienced. I, I am irritated by inconvenience. <laughs> I hate when I'm two minutes late, absolutely anywhere. I, I can plan an entire work moment or session or day or whatever with no meetings in mind, just my own. And I have goals and I have things I have to set. And, and I will get upset with myself for, for not counting in traffic or being two minutes late here or there. And there's no one waiting on me, but I simply get inconvenienced by that myself. So I can only imagine what it's like for other people. And if that's you, you're probably the same way. You don't like to be running behind. You don't like to be late. But I think that he, Jesus was walking with purpose. He was walking with a mission in mind. And I think if a man named Jesus could be inconvenienced on his way to heal the broken, by the way, someone who was sick, I think I could be inconvenienced on my way to the grocery store or the way to work or whatever it looks like. I think, I think that's okay. I think it's okay to have some built-in inconvenience. And I know it's not the way of life. I know it's, like I said, it's, it's counterculture. I know it's not the way things go, but I think in order to live a full and healthy life, 
that's full of kindness that's cultivated inside of us that just pours of compassion i think we have to build in some inconvenience and go that's that's okay it's okay to be inconvenienced because god is doing a work around me and it may not benefit me that's okay but he's doing a work and i want to be a part of that jesus chose to be inconvenienced he was pressured with the beginning of something that was a compassionate act and became a gyrus. And he said, even though I'm still going to listen and discern what's happening, I'm going to be inconvenienced for a moment because I understand what's happening here. He discerned that moment. He chose to be inconvenienced. And then Jesus led with compassion, which looks like kindness. So I would ask you this morning, what does that mean to you? What should that look like in your lives? And then does kindness, does my kindness, does that include God? Does it point others to God or does it point others to myself? I'd ask myself a lot while writing this. I wonder if, if is my kindness selfless? Am I at the center of my kindness? Do I need a plaque for my acts of compassion, right? Do I wanna be celebrated? for cultivating kindness, which by the way, that's a part of the life that God has for us. It has its own rewards in there. I think there's a word that I, I, I look back to that, um, that, that often just like blows my mind and the word is dwell, to dwell. What would it look like if we allowed the Holy Spirit and the fruits of the Spirit to dwell inside of us? What if that's our reward? What if that is what if that is it right there? What if we just allow the fruits of the spirit and the fruit of the spirit and kindness to dwell inside of us so much so that it bubbles out, that it overflows out? We understand that's about life. I don't we don't need to repeat the whole COVID situation every every Sunday, but we get it. Life will kick us when we're down, right? Presents life presents impossibilities, life will exhaust you. So take action and be sure that you make room for kindness to dwell inside of you so that when life presses you and life squeezes you, just what comes out is your kindness. What comes out is your trust in him. What comes out is your love for others, right? What comes out is your joy, right? No one, when life hits you in the face, no one chooses to smile. And I'm not saying fake it. I'm not saying fake the feelings. I'm saying what comes out of you is important because it's going to propel you and lead you into your next act of compassion. Life is meant to be lived in compassion and forget that it's an act. Your next um, moment, I guess, or test or um, um, way of uh, living or being in a sense. And I know sometimes kindness can sound a little bit like, oh, that's a nice thing, right? We're just doing nice things. I want to make sure that I understand that we understand that it's it's bigger than acts. It's bigger than just doing something that gets us a, a warm, fuzzy feeling inside. Let me begin to close by by sharing this. And I think this is one of the biggest uh, eye-opening things that um, can be seen in in, in kindness, because kindness, obviously, as I've explained, is compassion and action. I think it's a result of his love that he has for us. Jesus did this really well. 
Jesus was kind. He was compassionate. He healed the sick. He raised the dead. He cleansed lepers. And he did it most of the time, a lot of times on the Sabbath. This frustrated leaders in that day. His compassion towards others propelled him into action and it cost him his life. That tells me this, that kindness is costly. And it's not about self, but it's about glorifying God. So will you allow yourself to be filled with kindness? Will you allow yourself to live with compassion and make those actionable statements, make those actionable ways of living an act of love? Will you allow the Holy Spirit to do that work inside of you? I challenge you to do that. I challenge you to move in kindness, to live from a space of overflow where we, we're beyond doing nice acts, we're beyond doing nice things, but we're about cultivating, we're about allowing the Holy Spirit to cultivate kindness inside of our hearts so that it overflows, so that we can live deeper in communion with the Father. I'm going to pray for you and invite Andrew back up. God, we thank you so much for um, these moments together. Got reminded of your spirit, God, and what kindness cost you. And um, in many ways, um, your kindness was out of love and compassion for us. And that's the example. That's the blueprint. It's costly, but God, we, we want to live in communion with you. We want to make space in our lives to stop and pause. God, we want to discern what your spirit is speaking to us. And God, we want to love those that are around us. So God, help us to do this thing the right way. Help us to live a life that cultivates, that allows you to cultivate kindness inside of our hearts. We thank you, God, and we thank you for what you're growing inside of us, what you've already grown and what you're continuing to grow. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen.